Hello there. Welcome to the How to Market Your Horse Business podcast. I am so glad that you're joining me here today. Now, my name is Denise Alvarez, and just quickly, I will tell you a little bit about myself, and then I have a guest here with me today, and so I'll share with you about her as well. Now, through my business, Storm Lily Marketing, I get the pleasure and the honor of helping horse business owners like you to convert your website visitors into your customers. I do that through coaching, website design and content, as well as email marketing strategy and a membership called Social Stride, where I help you to DIY your own social media and create engaging content so that when you're doing that, it's actually working for you to build up your business. And so I get that not everybody loves marketing or gets excited about it the same way you maybe do about the work that you get to do with horses. And that's why I created this podcast here, because I wanted to make it more doable for you so that you're not afraid to jump in and get your hands dirty when it comes to marketing. So you will get step-by-step strategies. You will get basic how-tos as I help you not only see what's possible as you market your horse business, but also guide you through that process so that you can make it happen. And so that is what I'm going to do today with my guest, Danny Powers. Now, some of you may remember I mentioned her in last week's episode. I told you she was coming and that I was excited about this conversation. So you first got a glimpse of Danny back in episode number 27 when I invited Katie Kleinbell onto the podcast to share five hidden careers in the equine industry and how they are crushing marketing. And as you met Danny, one of the things that I brought out of her interview and talked about with Katie was the idea of niching down and really knowing who your audience is. She knows so well who she is serving, and she's not afraid to say it because she's not afraid that it's going to leave other people out because what it's going to do is make those people that do fit into her circle feel even more confident that Danny is the person they want to work with. So today, that is what Danny and I are talking about. And we're, I'm not just interviewing her. She is sharing some strategies and tips specific for you to help you to filter your own marketing. So meaning when you are writing content for your website, when you are writing your social media content, that you can really think about who it is that you're writing to and not be afraid to niche down. Because as you do, as you think specifically about who you want to work with, Danny is going to share how it will actually grow your business because that is what has happened with her. So I'm very excited for you all to meet her. I think it's going to be so great. And so let's go ahead and get right to the interview with Danny Powers. Hey, Danny, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. I really appreciate it. Welcome. Thank you. I'm very excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, you bet. It's an honor. So I shared a little bit about you in the intro before bringing you on here, but I'd love for you to tell us yourself a little bit about your background, how you got into coaching barrel racers, and what has your journey as an entrepreneur been like? Oh, goodness. It's kind of a long one. But um, so I didn't grow up on a ranch. It's a little different than most people who are in the horse industry. I learned from reading, watching videos, working with clinicians, and a lot of trial and error um, with my own horses. And I always had a dream of being Olympian, but then I discovered barrel racing and I was hooked with the fast lane. And so over the years, I um, really was successful on my own with braille racing, but then I started teaching and riding horses for other people. 
and I got help to instruct at clinics and my students were doing really good. They weren't just a little bit successful. I'm talking, they were winning saddles, buckles. They even went on to win their pro cards, win state finals. Um, some of them are doing fraturities now. And so I really got to practice kind of what I was preaching and um, see it work and in other people's lives, which was really neat. Um, but then I got burnt out when I myself hit a wall in my own competition and because of an injury and just decided it was time to step away. And I do go into this story a little bit more in my bio and my site. Um, but I didn't feel like I deserved to speak about barrel racing anymore. I just kind of, I didn't achieve my top goals. So I moved on and pursue, pursued other areas of my life. And I finished my degree. I, um, worked to become a better athlete. I helped launch businesses for other companies, did the corporate thing, joined the military, all that fun stuff. And again, I just wasn't quite ready to get back into the barrel racing, but I did want to pursue something I was passionate about. And that's when I got into the painting. And I talked about this with um, Katie Kleinbell with her Beyond the Saddle podcast. But basically, entrepreneur, entrepreneur life helped me be okay with failing and being bold and having discipline. And um, it basically came full circle and now I'm ready to get back into the barrel racing, but I'm still seeing huge issues with barrel racers not treating themselves as athletes or missing basic riding techniques. And they're really killing their performance. So that's why I decided to start a game performance, which is a rider focused blog and coaching site for barrel racers who want to become top competitors and want to take this seriously. And so that's where we're, we're at now. Wow. It, so it really has come full circle. And I'm sure that that synopsis is full of so many lessons learned um, that you could share with us along the way. So thank you for um, breaking it down. It's so helpful for us to just know the history and how you got to where you are. And so I think that'll really help my listeners um, as they listen and learn from you today. So originally we connected because as you mentioned, you were on Beyond the Saddle podcast and I had Katie Kleinbell on my podcast sharing about some hidden careers in the equine industry. Industry, and one of those was yours as a painter, not the coaching part because we hadn't talked about that yet. Um, but it was when you were really focusing on that painting business, which what I brought out of that for my listeners was that you were serving a specific audience and it was specifically geared towards Western and rodeo. However, now you're focusing more on your coaching. And like you said, you're not just saying I'm a coach. You're truly aiming to coach bell racers that are looking to become top competitors, which is pretty specific. And your art business was pretty specific as well. So was that intentional on your part? Absolutely. I knew when I got into selling art that this was a luxury item, not a necessity. So I really dove in and researched all different types of luxury companies, high ticket items and brands. Because I wanted to know uh, why some work and why don't, and they're different business models. And I can tell you from any brand, it doesn't matter if it's a high ticket item or not, if they can narrow down their clientele and know that person inside and out, they do remarkably well. Uh, uh, for example, these aren't horse brands, but we all know them well. Lamborghini, Ferrari, you'll never see those cars on a TV commercial. Why? Because their, their clientele doesn't match TV and values ex, and they value exclusivity. So they market through a word of mouth or an experienced business model. And uh, one of my favorite examples, too, is Steve Madden. He tests his products on ideal clients before they even launch or before they even waste money on product. He'll set out um, just a wall of shoes, one shoe per 
kind of design that he wants to do. And then he has like a little soft opening and all the customers who come in, they'll select the shoe that they're interested in and ask for the size. And the um, store clerks will just be like, well, we don't have the size in right now. Do you want to put your name down and tell us the size and the shoe model? So just from this one test, he's gained what shoes are going to work, what sizes he needs. And he already has a contact info for the people who are really interested in buying. So he's just saved himself so much trouble and so much money from the guessing game of trying to create a product and trying to market the product. And so that's why I think it's, it's really important to be specific in your market. And then, um, so a personal example is for me in my art business, I only display my main style. You'll see on my Instagram or social media and I keep it centered around rodeo professions and horses. Do I only paint that? No, you know, I only paint barrel racers, um, but you know how many of them have ranch dogs and they want painted in watercolors and this Christmas dogs took the cake, but I don't post that on, um, on social media because I think it's going to send a mixed signal to my brand. But so getting really specific didn't keep me from painting other subjects. It didn't keep me from other clientele, but it made me stand out and had people find me and they remembered me. So I kind of took the guesswork out of um, who do I market to? Where do I market? And I wouldn't have been relatable if I didn't make it specific. I wouldn't have come off as an expert in my field, I feel like. So I, I think the major excuse of I don't want to leave people out or my product can help everyone it's really going to hurt you. And for example, I saw a lady at a barrel race one year with bit warmers, but her bits were English bits and she didn't have anything Western or barrel racing in her booth. And she was sending a message of, I don't really know your market, even though the bit warmers were really universal to any bit, she probably would have had more sales if she really spoke more to the market. Um, And I didn't see anyone ever at her booth. And I don't think she did very well, but she had a really good product. I just think she missed the the message. Yeah, that's a great point. That's all really good stuff. So just even in being relatable and also just catching their attention. So like you said, you were posting pictures, not exactly of the dogs, but of the market of the people that you wanted to work with. And then if they asked you to do other things, you didn't say no to that. But the reason they came to you and the reason you caught their eye is because of that, because of the barrel racing pictures and the rodeo pictures that you were putting out there for other people to see. Exactly. So I think you're right, though. A lot of business owners are afraid to go too specific. Even like you said, at that uh, barrel race that you were at with the lady with the bit warmers, you know, she maybe was afraid and maybe that was her first time and she didn't want to invest something and, you know, marketing materials that were going to have anything Western on there because what if it didn't work out? However, it didn't work out because she didn't have anything for them to identify with. And so for a lot of business owners, that's the same. We're afraid that if we niche down too much, then we're going to miss the other people out there that might want what we have to offer. I can tell you that for myself, you know, I say that I help horse business owners with their marketing. Well, starting out a couple of years ago when I decided to do my own business, aside from what I was doing in the corporate world, so to speak, uh, You know, if I, in the beginning I did, I just said, I'm doing marketing for small business owners because I didn't really know which direction I wanted to go. However, you know, there are millions of small business owners just in the United States. And so I was a tiny fish in a humongous pond. But when I decided to hone in on my niche a little bit more, 
then I have made so many more connections and I've grown just in this past year as I decided, no, I'm really going to be more specific and I'm going to make my website, I'm going to make my messaging, all of those things, and even my podcast specific to horse business owners. And by doing that, I can provide them more specific examples. I can provide more specific coaching along the way. And so what you're saying has been true for me too. And so your success is a true testament of that as well. And so I know that you have seen some specific benefits in your own journey, whether it's painting or now as a coach. And I would love for you to share some of those with us. What's unique about it is this means you can really stand out apart from your competition. I say it's like wearing a bright neon shirt in a crowd or I say it's like fishing. Would you rather fish in a pond that's murky where you can't see your lure or if your lure is even working? You don't even know if there's fish in the pond. Or would you rather fish in clear water where you can see the fish and place your lure perfectly and know what you're doing is working? I bet you're going to have more bites. And who are you most likely to go to in the Western, say in the horse industry? Are you going to, say, if you're looking up riding lessons, are you going to click on where it just says horseback riding lessons, or are you going to click on someone who's very specific in what you want to do? Like, are you going to click on someone who's saying barrel racing, jumping, dressage, um, professional in this area? You're most likely going to go to them. Or when you ask people, they're most likely going to recommend them versus just an everyday horseback rider instructor. Yeah, exactly. That's a really great point. And especially, you know, in our online world. So using the example of clicking is a perfect example. Or, you know, if you see an ad in a magazine, it's the same thing. You know, how specific is it to what what you're picturing success is for you? That's what they need to speak to. And that's what you're more likely to go with. And so if if you don't do that, if you just, like you said, if you just say writing lessons, well, okay, that doesn't really tell me much, you know? Um, and so it, inadvertently, it also pushes people away, which a lot of people think that they're doing the opposite. You know, they think that they're pulling in a bigger net, but it it tends to do the opposite, right? It tends to hurt them for sure. Okay. So what is your next benefit that you have experienced or you have seen from niching down with your business? So the second one I would say is you get to work with your ideal client because you know exactly what their needs are and how to solve it. And for example, I say barrel racers who want to take their competition to an elite level or become a top competitor. I want to work with racers who want to take braille racing seriously. I think they're more likely to apply information and see big time results. And that's what I love most about coaching. And there are braille racers who just want to have fun and go to jackpot here and there. And that's absolutely fine, but I don't want to work with them. You know why is because they probably aren't going to take what I have to say seriously or apply it and they won't see results. And that's a waste of my time and bad for my brand So um, I would just say you get to work with the best clients and your perfect clients if you really scale down. That's a really good point. And I love that you said it actually turns out to not only be a waste of your time, but actually bad for your brand. So again, it does the opposite, you know, Um, so you get to work with your ideal client and your ideal client is going to apply for you, what it is that you're teaching them and going to get those results. However, if you have people that are just signed up because they just think real racing is cool, but then they're not going to take it seriously. Then they're not going to get results. And you need those testimonials as a business, you know? Yes. And so the same with, with you all who are listening, you, you want people that are going to apply what it is that you're trying to teach or, um, try to be successful in whatever realm it is that you're trying to serve them. And so if that's not the case, then it's not really going to help you 
by any means. So that's a really, really good point. All right. Take us on to number three. Number three. I think a lot of people hate sales because they're like, I don't want to be a car salesman. Well, when you scale down and get really specific, you eliminate the whole car salesman vibe. Um, They tend to come to you already interested and all you have to do is relate to them and help them find what they need. And the guessing work is out, which is really nice. Um, If my site and product messages are designed right by the time I'm talking to them, it's usually asking questions like, what color do you like? What size do you want? How do you plan to pay Uh, in terms for like the paintings? But if all your job is really now at this point is to help fulfill their needs and not really convince them they need to buy something they really don't need. Mm, that's a really interesting point. And especially because you mentioned like on your website. So a lot of this, what we're talking about, how it how it plays out a lot of times is maybe the copy that you have on your website, the, the words that you use on your website. So if if on your painting website, you had just said, I paint horse pe- for horse people, you know, or I paint pictures of horses, period. Well, that doesn't narrow it down even much from there. You know, that can still go a lot of directions, but because your website was more specific, then people knew exactly what they were, what they were going to get by the time they had a conversation with you. And so for our listeners, for my listeners, it's the same. When you build your website up, when you put your social media content out there, you need to think about the words that you're using and make sure that you're clear and specific. And it's true. Not everybody is going to identify with what you're putting out there. Not everybody that lands on your website is going to be your best fit customer, but that's okay. And it's better for them to know that ahead of time than for them to waste your time reaching out and you having an hour long conversation with them just for them to say, oh, that's not really what I thought you were. You know, it eliminates that. Yes. Which leads me to my number four, because I think you create raving fans versus one time buyers. So if you have one time buyers, you're going to constantly be looking for more traffic and um, just new buyers and getting in front of people versus um, having fans, which I call raving fans, they continue to come back and buy. And um, for example, I may not have a lot of followers, but my clients engage consistently and they keep coming back. And I would rather have consistent and loyal clients than one-time buyers. Uh, you, I mean, you can go to my Instagram page for my paintings and I honestly only have about 1600 followers and most of them and the others who have found me through my shows are repeat customers and you will find that I have high engagement versus high followers. And I will take that any day. I love that. You know, I have an episode and I'll make sure and link to it in the show notes as well. Um, that's all about Instagram. And when I had the guests on there, she actually said that she said, don't worry so much about those vanity numbers, focus on the engagement, focus on those relationships. Because like you said, if you have 16,000 followers, but low engagement and low buys, then that really doesn't do you any good. You know, big deal that you have 16,000, but what you really want is those, those conversions. And so yes, exactly what you said. If you're able to convert those people, then it doesn't matter the size. It matters those raving fans. So I love that. All right. What is the next one? So the next one I would say would be your brand doesn't get lost with trends and instead you would build a community and your business grows with that community. And I think Western boutiques are a really good example. Um, Instead of sticking to one type of clothing or style, they really, it's almost like they create a customer avatar and they speak to that person and they stick with her moods. They stick with Um, the styles that are starting to change. And I think that's why you're seeing just a boom in these online Western boutiques um, because they're starting to really narrow down who their clientele is versus what styles look cute right now. 
And um, I think that's just really important. You're not going to miss the boat when the trend changes and your product, you can always adapt your product to what your client specifically needs versus um, thinking you have an awesome product, but it really isn't fulfilling any need or giving any value. That's so, I love that. And I love, thank you for bringing a real life example. That's different. I love that example of the boutique. Um, And you know, and you're saying that about the avatar, which again, it says when you narrow down and you know who it is you're speaking to, then it gives you a filter, right? So then when you see the different trends that are coming along, then you can go back to say, okay, who is it that I'm trying to speak to? Who are my best spent clients and customers? Are they interested in this trend? Is this something that would serve them well or they would get excited about? And if it is, then you try it out. But if it's not, then you don't even have to worry about it. You let that go to the wayside because you know it's not for your people. It's not for your audience versus trying, again, to serve everybody, which, like you said, will get you lost in those things. So that's a great one. Okay, you have one more for us. What is the next one, the next benefit of niching down in your horse business? Okay, I saved one of the best ones for last just because I think as business owners, this is the one we're really paying attention to. You save so many marketing dollars and time just by narrowing down who you want to talk to. And it instead of having headaches at night because you don't know how to speak to them, how to reach out to them, you're wasting so many Facebook ads and Instagram ads or email campaigns and you're still not even hitting your market um, just get really specific and it's going to help you eliminate all that waste. And instead of wasting marketing efforts in your area, you're focusing on your ideal client. And so for example, if I'm selling eventing boots for jumpers and there's a Western show close by, and it's like, well, these horses can use these boots too. You're gonna set. You're gonna waste money on the booth. You're not gonna make any sales because those riders don't use the same style of boots, and you're just wasting time. So, I mean, save yourself the headache. <laughs> yeah, that's so true. And I mean, even if you did go there, so say you did go to that show, then number one, all your promotional materials are probably not even gonna be geared toward that. Kind of like the barrel racing show that you shared about earlier. Mm-hmm. And then when people come up to talk to you well, you're not going to have a lot to share about. You're not really going to be able to speak into that specific performance horses use or experiences or testimonials because people want to hear about the success in their area. You know, they don't want to hear about your example. So say that they're at a Western show, they want to hear what another bail racer has experienced success with. And if a jumper's experienced success, that's great, but it's not as convincing. You know, it's not as convincing because they want to hear what they're aiming to go towards, you know, if that makes sense. So, um, but even like you said, in social media, so I talk about this in our, um, I have a free Facebook group and we did a five day challenge and we honed in on who's your audience and where are they at? And that's where you want to go with social media. So if your audience is hanging out on one particular platform, don't feel like you need to go do all five, six, Mm -hmm. whatever social media platforms, go to the platform where they are hanging out the most, engage with them there, build relationships there instead of wasting your time feeling like you have to do all of these others just because they're free and they're available. But instead, really hone in on where they're at. And you're like you said, you're going to save those dollars and time and you're going to get a better return on your investment as well. Exactly. 
Okay. This has been so helpful. I can't wait for my listeners to get to hear this. And then um, my encouragement as you all listen is to filter through, go back and look at your, maybe you look at your description on your Facebook page or your Instagram profile. That's a great place to start. Look and see how specific you are. Look and see if somebody didn't really know about your business. If they go there and read that, do they know exactly who it is that you serve and how it is that you help them? Maybe go look at your website and see there as well. Those are some places that you probably already have an existing presence that you can just go back and use this episode as a filter to help you be sure that you are targeting the right people and you're speaking to the right people. And as you do that, it really will open up more doors. It will narrow it down, but at the same time, it's going to open up more doors for you. So Danny, is there anything else that you think my listeners should know about niching down in their business? I would just say you don't have to know it all and it doesn't have to be a guessing game. So once you really narrow down your niche and your market and ask your market their opinions, let the market tell you what they want, do surveys, test products. Um, It's never going to be perfect. You're always going to be updating your products. So just go ahead and get out there. um, See if it works or not. See what you need to adjust. Your product could be the best, but if no one really wants it or needs it, then it's not going to work and you need to move on. That's so true. And honestly, for some people, it could just come down to messaging. It could Mm -hmm. just be a matter of they have that right service or product created, but they haven't figured out how to message it well enough so that the people that need it most and that will experience the most success with it um, are actually interested. So it could really just be a matter of that. Like you said, testing it out and trying a few different things. So that's great. I'm so glad that you're here. Thank you so much for sharing. I'm excited to watch as you grow your coaching business. And so I would love for everybody to know where they can find you online. Sure. Uh, you can either follow me on Instagram or TikTok. Um, I'll give you the link so you can put in this podcast. It's a game perf. And or follow my website and the blog at agameperfperf.com. And I have a treat for all those listeners who are listening in on this podcast. I have not yet released this to the public, but I am in the process of launching a journal specifically for helping you knock out your competition goals. It's going to be a basic journal, but I will add in some organization tools that I use to help me keep in track of horses progress, personal goals, etc. And this is not specifically for braille racers. This is competitors across the board for um, horse riders. And I want to know what you would like to see in this competition journal. If you would go to my site and in the contacts page, leave a message with a good shipping address and what you would like to see in this journal, I'll send you a free journal when it launches this July. And again, it's just at my blog, the A Game Perf site, the contacts page. And yes, I specifically focus on barrel racers, but the journal um, is for competition and just helping you as a writer be a better writer and athlete and hit those goals. Okay. I love that. And another great example of knowing who it is you're speaking to. So if you're listening now, make sure you go to the show notes, stormlily.com slash 32 for episode number 32. I'll make sure and link to all of these things that Danny just mentioned. And of course, you know, now if you're a fit for that. So if you are an athlete, if you're involved in competition in any way, or maybe you have students that would be interested in this type of journal, then make sure you go and leave Danny a message. And then she'll send you that free journal when you share with her what you think would be helpful. So 
So I love that. And I'm excited to see this. So be sure and let us know, Danny, when you do launch and I'll make sure and share it on my social media too, so that everybody can know um, how they can find it and support you as well, a fellow equine entrepreneur. So thank you so much for being here to share your experiences. I know that everybody listening is going to be so grateful uh, to be able to learn from you, to hear and see some real life examples, and then to turn it around and apply it in their business. So really appreciate it. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. Okay. What did I tell you? I knew that you were going to enjoy this interview and that you were going to be challenged to go back. And I hope that you are, that you're challenged to go back and look at your own website, your own business cards, your own social media profiles, even look at your bios. Are you being very specific and letting people know very clearly who it is that you work with? and who it is that you want to work with and that you serve. So I hope that this interview is very helpful in that process. If you have any questions at all about what Danny and I talked about, I would love to visit with you. So let me know. Feel free to send me a message on Instagram or Facebook or shoot me an email, denise at stormlily.com. I love hearing from you all and hearing what's challenging you so that I can help you out. And also, I just love hearing as well what you are learning here on the podcast. So if you're learning things here and it is making a difference, if anything that you've learned on the podcast has been a help would you let me know? I would be so encouraged and it would also let me know what I should focus on as I continue to create content with you all in mind. All right. So please do let me know that. And then if you would leave a review for the podcast, if you happen to list on Apple Podcasts, because that is the only place right now where you can leave actual reviews, I'd be so grateful for that. Would you go there, leave a rating and leave a review? That will also help other people like you, other horse business owners who want to do well to market their business, who want and need those practical strategies. Your review is actually going to help this show to be found for them. All right, because it tells Apple it's helpful. And so then they're more likely to show it to other people. Truly not making that up. I promise. And then of course, if this was a helpful podcast, and you'd like to share it with someone else, then I would love for you to do that as well. Again, the show notes are stormlily.com slash 32. So everything that I talked about with Danny, I'm going to summarize. You just get a brief summary there on the show notes in case you miss some bullet points. And then, of course, links to Danny's Instagram and her website so that you can learn more about that journal that she shared about, which is so cool, isn't it? I love that. Okay, friends, I'm so glad you're here with me today. I always look forward to connecting with you each week. And so I will see you again next week. Have a great one. 